It's an amazing truth, isn't it? One of those amazing truths that seems too good to be true, that we almost don't dare to believe is true, that come what may in life, in Christ it is well with my soul. If you're visiting or you missed last week, we started looking at joy. Joy is a key factor in what the hymnist is writing about and Rebecca sang about when it comes to being well with our soul, regardless of circumstances. The dictionary definition that I gave you last week defines joy like this. Joy is the emotion of great delight or happiness caused by something exceptionally good or satisfying. Joy is great pleasure or elation. And we saw last week that the Apostle Paul tells us where to do joy in the Lord all the time. Rejoice in the Lord always, he says. I say again, rejoice. And I suggested to you, I suggested to you that the only way to experience joy always, given the struggles of life, is to realize that in fact that kind of always joy, joy in the Lord, is only possible in the Lord. In fact, it's God's always joy that we echo back to Him, rejoice, and we share it with others. And I also dared to suggest and dared you to consider and to hope that in the Lord we can indeed always experience joy. As Paul says, regardless of the often hard circumstances of life around us, now, a lot, of people, a lot of people don't even dare to hope this always joy in the Lord is possible. Many theologians don't seem to like it either. And so they are quick to draw a distinction between joy and happiness. Too quick, in my opinion. They would rather define happiness as a feeling or an emotion, but joy, they claim, is something different. They say joy isn't an emotion. Instead, they like to define joy as things like an attitude of the heart. And I think they do this because in their experience, perhaps, they can see and understand why someone's attitude of heart might always be joyful, even if they're not feeling happy. Now, I want to push against that explanation just a bit. For one, if you do a word study of the word joy in Hebrew and in Greek, 
and in English for that matter, but in the biblical languages of Hebrew and Greek, do a word study on joy, and that word is firmly talking about feelings and emotion. To claim joy is not an emotion flies against what the word in the Bible means. Joy is an attitude of the heart, but it's more than that. It includes and involves feelings and emotion. Second, let's not forget about the in the Lord part of joy. God is what makes joy possible, and we, see, we don't need to make God's job easier by redefining joy as an attitude rather than a feeling. God can handle joy as an emotion just fine. If equating joy and happiness seems impossible or problematic, I'd suggest that probably it's probably because we're not understanding happiness correctly. We need to revisit what we mean by happy rather than what we mean by joy. True happiness, in my opinion, is just like joy, only possible in the Lord. Anything grounded anywhere else besides in the Lord really isn't true happiness. But if we define happiness as it should be defined, another emotion of delight in the Lord, well then it's the same thing as true joy in the Lord. Both are feelings and emotions, in my opinion, and both are possible always only in the Lord, regardless of circumstances. Now, of course, I'm not saying we can never be sad. Another emotion. But here's the thing. Sadness is not the opposite of joy in the Lord. And if true happiness is defined correctly, the emotion of delight in the Lord, then sadness is not the opposite of happiness in the Lord either. And so we can feel joyful or happy in the Lord when we are sad. Oh, if you take only one thing away with you this morning, take that hope with you, won't you? That we can feel joyful. We can feel happiness in the Lord even when we're sad. And I'm sorry, it's not just an attitude we somehow maintain, like a stiff upper lip or something. It's emotional. Read the Psalms and its use of the word joy. It's a feeling. It's, it's joy in the Lord, for heaven's sakes. Please, don't lose hope and therefore limit joy in the Lord to something else. It's the joy of the Lord. Let it wash over you and through you, through and through. Of course, we can feel joy of the Lord and feel joy in the Lord, yes, even when we're sad. And oh, if that's not radical enough for us this morning, you want to hear something even more radical? No one does? Well, then okay. Do you want to hear something even more radical? God's, thank you. God's joy, God's joy gets even more radical. Not only can we feel joyful in the Lord even when we feel sad, but we can feel especially joyful in the Lord, especially. 
especially when we're sad. Oh my word, we're off the chain now. And the reason that we can feel joyful in the Lord, especially when we feel sad, is because of the beautiful, brilliant, amazing, loving, caring way that God made joy. We can feel joyful in the Lord, especially when we feel sad, because God made joy to feed on sorrow, to thrive in sadness. Sadness is the lifeblood of joy. Joy craves sadness. Sadness and sorrow and hardship and suffering and brokenness, that's what makes joy in the Lord flourish. Joy's appetite for sadness is insatiable. In fact, without sadness, our joy in the Lord isn't nearly as great as it could be with sadness and brokenness. That's how God designed joy. Joy needs hardship to breathe. Joy is at her best when the struggle is the greatest. The deeper the sadness and brokenness, the greater the joy. One author I've been reading on joy gives us this great picture. He asks, do you have a favorite chair, a place you feel most at home and comfortable So does joy. Joy's favorite chair is your sadness, your weakness, your grief. Wherever your wounds are most tender, joy finds a soft place to settle. A lighthearted person may rejoice, but no one has a greater capacity for joy than one who is, like our Savior, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Joy loves our brokenness best. And this from an author who describes himself as someone who is not happy by nature, anxious, and who struggles with depression. He decided to do an experiment. He decided that for the next 90 days, he was going to be joyful in the Lord. And then he wrote a book about it. His name is Mike Mason, and the book is called Champagne for the Soul. Mason continues, Finally, in his experiment, I I saw that if joy does not arise out of the midst of tragedy, it will not rise at all. Christian joy is rooted in darkness, chaos, meaningless sorrow. Such joy isn't an airy ideal, but a hard reality inextricably enmeshed with conditions in the real world. Separate joy from sorrow, and there's nothing left. I had wanted happiness to be tidier than this, cleaner and more innocent. True happiness, however, is like our physical bodies, Tidy on one side, the outer, and messy on the other. The happiest thought in the world is the shed blood of Christ. What a statement. The happiest thought in the world is the shed blood of Christ. That old hymn gets it right, as old hymns are wont to do. 
See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose so rich a crown? You see, sorrow and love are not exclusive of one another, and neither is sorrow and love's close cousin, joy. I mentioned last week that our son Ben is leaving for college in a couple of weeks. He's going to Hope College in Holland, Michigan, home of the Flying Dutchman, go figure. (laughs) And um, his leaving makes us sad. We're sad to see him go because we're going to miss him. But in the sadness... Coming out of the sadness, even but for the sadness, comes this joy in the Lord. Joy that he will take this next step with God for even greater things ahead and whatever God has planned for him. And that gives us joy in our sadness, joy in the Lord. At about the same time that we're taking Ben to school, we'll remember Jill's dad who passed away. It's nearing the anniversary of his death. And of course that's sad. We miss Dad deeply. And mingled with that sadness is the joy in the Lord, joy that we know Dad, joy that he's with God, and joy that we'll see him again. Feeling Joy in the Lord is not at all exclusive from feeling sadness. In fact, joy in the Lord thrives in sadness. I read a story this past week of a pastor preaching about his wife's death. You could tell she was everything to this man, his wife and lover, his best friend, the mother of his kids, his partner in ministry. And you could hear in his voice and the tone in which he had written it, that it was just a huge blow to lose her. But he writes, when all hope was gone for her recovery, they had hours to talk, to remember, and to plan for the future. That pastor said those were the best times of their life together, full of tears and full of joy in the Lord at the same time. We have a word for this in English. It's it's bittersweet. That's what Jesus' life on earth was too, bittersweet. In fact, that's what life was like for all of those biblical heroes of the faith, including Paul who tells us to rejoice in the Lord always while chained to a wall in prison, bittersweet. That word bittersweet always reminds me of a psalm, Psalm 81, where God promises to satisfy his people with, get this, honey from the rock. No matter how large a rock is in your path, no matter the wilderness or desert that rock represents, no matter its size or the pain it causes, God promises that somewhere in that rock, somewhere in that pain, his honey is there, in the struggle. 
joy and sorrow mingled together. A friend sent me this picture after the sermon last week. Check it out. Can you read it? Evenings at 7 in the parish hall. It's obviously a billboard from a church. Monday night, Alcoholics Anonymous. Tuesday, Abused Spouses. Wednesday, Eating Disorders. Thursday, Say No to Drugs. Friday, Teen Suicide Watch. Saturday, Soup Kitchen. Sunday Sermon, America's Joyous Future. There's humor in it because of the irony between the the terrible struggles all listed or represented Monday through Saturday, and then in the same room on Sunday, a sermon on joy, right? But you know what? There is a precious truth represented on that church sign, however unintentional uh, it probably was. But that's exactly where God's message of joy belongs, exactly. The message on joy, I'm not sure about America's joyous future, but a message on joy in the Lord or rejoice in the Lord in the midst of those struggles, there couldn't be a more appropriate message. Rediscovering God's gift of joy when it seems we've lost it or we can't find it anymore. How, how is it that we miss out on this always joy sometimes. Where can we find it? Well, last week we saw the importance of understanding that it's joy in the Lord we're working for, looking for, something that comes from God and not from our own strength. So we find joy with God, can feel joy with God. And I've suggested to you that joy in the Lord is especially found when the chips are down and things are toughest. That's when joy is at her best. Finally this morning, I want to add one more thought just in the time we have left, and that's this. In order to find joy, we need to love the struggle. We need to love the fight. What do I mean? You see, the devil knows something about us. He knows that most of us don't want any trouble. We don't like it. When trouble comes, we shy away, and then many times we act as if everything's cool. You good? Yep, good. You? Yep, good. Good. Most people, studies show, will do anything to avoid confrontation and trouble. But what keeps us from winning the battles of life is that far from loving the struggle, we view the fight as something to avoid at all costs. So we're even defeated before we try. Remember, God says the honey's in the rock. If our impulse is, ah, rock, pain, run, we're not only running from the rock, but what are we running from? The honey in it. See, remember, our struggles really aren't against flesh and blood, in Paul's words, but our struggles really are against powers and spiritual forces. So put on the full armor of God, Paul says in those next well-known verses. You don't wear armor and not fight. 
And if we shy away from the fight, if we pretend it doesn't exist, because I'm fine and you're fine and we're fine, and what fight? We don't want to fight. And pretend that this material world that we can see is all there is, and if we just pretend everything is okay, well, we'll lose every time. And given joy's close partnership with sorrow and the struggle, we'll also lose out on joy when we lose love of the struggle because that's where joy is. And so Paul can tell Timothy in closing his letter, and remember, Timothy, fight the good fight. What, you get the idea that life is a battle and we should be eager and ready to fight? One of those powers we fight against is cultural power. Our culture pretty much based on the pleasure principle, isn't it? Feels good, do it. If it's painful, then don't. We're to avoid pain at all costs. The problem is when we do that, we miss out. We miss out on the joy in the Lord that comes with it and arises from it. Instead, we need to love the struggle, embrace it, lean into the pain, because that's where we find joy in the Lord. Here's a good bumper sticker for a Christian. Life is not a vacation. Life is a battle. And the secret to winning the battle of life is to love the fight more than the enemy does. When we do, in Jesus' name, we can't lose. Loving the war is the way to win. One offer offers this insightful reminder from a passage that often raises a lot of questions. In the days of Samson, we read in Judges, the Lord was seeking an occasion to confront the Philistines. As Christians, we should cultivate this same attitude. Though we may not confront the powers of darkness directly, we can be certain that God will do this through us, and we must be ready. More than ready, we should be eager to engage the foe. Far from avoiding problems, we should be spoiling for a good scrap, knowing that through it the kingdom of God will be advanced. We learn not to hate struggles, but to love them because they're a chance to take action against the enemy and to expand the territory of our happiness. I think there are three reasons, at least, that Christians should love the struggle. First, we fight knowing that Christ is our commander, and He's the one who ultimately wages our war with us, but it's in His name and His power. Second, we love the struggle because it's necessary. There's evil in the world, and it's got to be confronted. And third, we love the struggle because of its ultimate end or goal, which is peace, shalom. The path to eternal peace is the war path of life. But do not fear, Jesus says, because I'm with you always. And he will supply the weapons, the courage, the power, and everything else. But only we can supply the will to fight. He leaves that choice to us, doesn't force us. There's that God of free will again. Only we can decide to love this work as much as God does, and so get on with it. 
We all want to be like Jesus. Well, then we need to love the struggle like he did. He gave his life in the battle. He loves the war because he loves us. You know, in all we've covered so far, if I had to choose one key to joy in the Lord, it might be this one, love the struggle. And to push against that cultural tendency that pushes us to believe that life is a vacation. Instead, each and every day, it's a battle in the name of Christ. And remember, it's in that battle, in that struggle, where joy meets us and is waiting to soar with us there. One application, and, and then I'll let you go. And the application is marriage. Marriage, it's what keeps us together. I blew it. Marriage is what brings us together today. What's the movie? Princess Bride. <laughs> so many great one-liners in that movie. And yeah, marriage brings us together. Even brings us together. But one reason God gives us marriage and brings us together, did you know, one reason, in my opinion, God gives us marriage is because marriage gives us an opportunity to fight. <laughs> because God loves a good fight. And all the married folks here this morning can say, I knew it! Are you married? I will pray for your husband if you're married. I got an amen to that from her. Kind of strange marriage advice, right? Want a good fight? Get married. Don't go around the community. What did you learn at church this morning? Well, the pastor said that marriage is for fighting. Well, it is. Let me tell you something. If you don't Fight for your marriage. If you don't fight for all your worth, it will fail. Oh, it may not end in divorce. It probably will. But even if it doesn't end in divorce, it will fail to be what it could be in Christ if you fought for it for all your worth. The key to a healthy marriage is realize that, of course, that the battle going on isn't against your husband or wife. That's not the fight. The battle is against those same principalities and powers we talked about earlier from the Apostle Paul and spiritual powers, powers like the sin in our lives. One challenge that that Jill and I have and face in our marriage is that in the face of conflict, we both tend to withdraw. Our reasons for withdrawing are a little different. I just don't want the boat to rock. Typical guy. And she loses hope when we fight that we can become closer. And so she loses heart 
And so we both tend to withdraw when there's a conflict. It's only in the last couple of years that we're gaining ground on loving the struggle rather than withdrawing from it. That we're discovering that when we both dedicate ourselves to the struggle against those powers rather than against each other as those powers would prefer, when we dedicate ourselves to the struggle against those powers trying to keep us apart, including in prayer, I would add especially in prayer, suddenly there's new birth to our eagerness to engage in the battle. That comes alive. And suddenly we can find true joy in the Lord in the struggle, and that joy can help us to begin healing each other rather than hurting each other. We're rediscovering God's gift of joy because we're learning to love the struggle. Only took us 20 years to figure that out, right, dear? So now we love to fight. At least when we're fighting against those outside powers, and at least learning to love the fight. My friends, whatever life brings any of us in any arena of life, whatever struggles that you face, remember, remember, and I dare you to hope, would you, that you can Rejoice in the Lord always, even in that struggle. In fact, especially in it. You can in that struggle not only know but feel God's always joy. It's eternal. It's there. It flows like living water from Him because He's there in that struggle and hardship with you. And remember, one key to finding joy, perhaps the key, is to learn to love the struggle and in the immortal words of John Luke Picard of the USS Enterprise, engage. Engage in the battle, and you will find joy in the Lord. You will find honey in the rock. God promises, and He always keeps His promises. Let's pray. Father in heaven, our culture and our time and our thinking has done terrible damage to biblical truths and biblical concepts and definitions and experiences of things like love, things like happiness, things like what it means to be blessed, and things like joy. Help us, Father. Help us to know and to see through the cultural dumbing down or distancing of all of those things that we can have in abundance, as we heard this morning in song and praise and worship, when it's in you, in the Lord, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Would you stand, please, for this morning's benediction? We're going to give that chorus.
The joy of the Lord is our strength. One more try. I'll try not to start it, you know, at three octaves too high. <laughs> do you guys know it, or do I have to sing it through once again? Okay, if you have you know, it goes, The joy of the Lord is my strength. 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 Okay, that didn't count. It was beautiful. Hear God's benediction in these amazing biblical words put to music. Are you ready? The joy of the Lord is my strength. 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 In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. We'll see you next week.